0: Good morning. If you don't know me, my name's Nick. I'm the associate minister here at Knox, and it's really a joy to be celebrating and observing this season of Advent with you all this morning here in the room and online as well. I wonder, what are you waiting for? Actually, give it a second of thought. What are you waiting for? I think that everybody is waiting for something. Most of us are waiting for the pandemic to end. Some of us waiting to see family or friends that we've been apart from for too long. Some of us may be waiting to hear news, good news, we hope, from our doctor. Or dreading this wait for final exams to begin. Or that gap between taking a test and the results being in. Maybe many of us in our church are waiting to call a senior minister, waiting for that next season of our life in a community together. Maybe we're waiting for Christmas and that look of glee on children's faces when they receive that thing that they've been waiting for. And maybe we still feel those butterflies in our stomachs ourselves on Christmas Eve, waiting for the next day. This Advent season is a time when we can name that truth that we are all waiting for something. As Nestor pointed out for us last week, the word Advent, it means coming, and this is the season of the coming of Christ, both as we wait for that celebration of his first coming in his birth at Christmas, and as we eagerly anticipate that second coming, when all of our other waitings and longings will finally met in him. Even for those who do not think that they wait for Christ, we remember the truth that God has set eternity in the human heart, that we were made for communion with God, and that the longings which all people have in common, the hope which spurs us forward, the desire for peace and joy and love, that all of these things that we seek are the promise of Christ these things are the hope of God with us. As you've heard, this week is the second week in the season of Advent when the church, when most of the church remembers together our longing for peace. And our scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Isaiah, and it's a lament while people wait, waiting for salvation, waiting for God's coming peace. Isaiah is writing a song, actually, that he says will one day be sung in the land. And where we join in the song, we read, as he's written, the path of the righteous is level. You, the upright one, make the way of the righteous smooth. If you've been around the church for a while, maybe you know this, but maybe you don't, and so I'll point it out. The word righteous was invented for the first time. Authorized English translation of the Bible. It was a made-up word made up to translate two specific words in Hebrew and Greek in the Bible. And those words in other languages are most often translated to mean justice. And over time, English speakers, we've forgotten what the word righteousness means. We think it just means holiness, and so we equate those two things in our minds. But actually, it's justice. And so every time I quote this passage, I'm going to retranslate that word for us into justice. And I think that how we understand it will turn a little bit as well, and we'll be getting closer to the original intention of this text. So again, we begin The path of the just is level. You, the upright one, make the way of the just smooth. And Again, already we should stop, because didn't I just say this is a song of lament while people wait? If this is true, it sounds like everything's good. It sounds like things are okay. If you're just, your life is going to be easy, smooth, and good. No injustice will befall you. How wonderful. I wonder, is that your experience? When you've done good, when you've sought justice... Have you found that your path is level? Has God always made your way smooth before you? I don't know about you guys at home, but looking around the sanctuary, I don't see too many hands raised. I don't see any people with a testimony that's like, yeah, that's me. My life's been great because I've just been just. God's made my path smooth. This voice that we're hearing is not the voice of experience. Because if it were, none of us would trust this. It's not the voice of experience in Isaiah's day, and it's not the voice of experience in our day either. This, rather, is the voice of faith, of hope even, that this is who our God is, and this is what God does, that looking forward, life may seem tumultuous, but looking back through God's loving presence we might see how our lives actually have been a straight and level path for God's good purposes. We may think of the life of Jesus, who, if that was our life, any one of us would say, that's not a level path, that's not a smooth way. But for him, it was. It was a smooth path to fulfilling God's calling in his life. And so even if this is difficult to believe, on the road, while we're still walking it, Yet it is still also the hope of our faith and the promise of our God. And so the song continues. Yes, Lord, walking in the way of your laws, we wait for you. See, it's there. They're still waiting. Still waiting for God to show up. They're walking on the way with God walking in the way of his laws. Other translations even say they're walking under his judgments. They know God. They know God's presence. They're being shaped by God's desire for a better world. And they're waiting for God as well. This idea was fascinating to me as I read this text. Walking in God's way, but waiting for God's presence. Hasn't that been the story of God's people in so many seasons and so many generations. It's not always been the case, no. There have been pillars of cloud and fire. There have been still small voices. There was Jesus' earthly ministry and the day of Pentecost. There have been revivals and reformations alike. But these things, they seem to be exception rather than the rule. Christians are a part of a heritage of people who walk in the way of God, who they still wait for, who seek to be faithful even while they're still longing for something greater. If you read the blurb for this sermon series on the front of our bulletin or online, you'll note that this is the heart of what I want us to be thinking about this Advent. How do we share with others those very things that we're still waiting for ourselves? These people who Isaiah predicts will sing this song, they're walking in the way of justice. Whether they're doing it well or being corrected to do it still more faithfully, they're on that way. And they're waiting for God as well. They're still waiting for the upright one, still waiting for the just judge and good king to come and make their lives right, make their paths level, their roads safe. They're waiting, too. In fact, it's more than just waiting, like you wait for the the microwave to complete its work. This is actually a yearning of the soul in the night, a longing spirit in the morning. More than just waiting, like in some sad Samuel Beckett play, they are aching. This is their desire. This is what Advent is about, not the snow or the lights or the chocolate. As even the Grinch discovers, it comes without ribbons, it comes without tags, it comes without packages, boxes, or bags. Our yearning in Advent is not for the satisfaction of our consumerism at Christmas. It is not for the satiation of our greed as if such a thing could ever come. It's a yearning for God's name and renown, a yearning for God's judgment to come on the earth, that the world itself might learn justice. To the prophet Isaiah, to seek after God is to seek justice. And notice that this waiting isn't passive. They are not, as in that Beckett play, waiting for Godot sat under a tree, hoping that God might pass by. They are walking in the way of his laws, following the way of his judgments. They're not wandering through life hoping to bump into God, just a stranger on the bus trying to make his way home. No, they're rooting their lives in God's way so that when God shows up, they're already in the place that God's going to be. They're already there, ready for God, ready to be found. If you long for God's justice to show up in your life, in our city, in this world, how are you walking in that way so that you'll be the first to see it when it shows up? How are you showing that you really do want God to do what God does now, rather than just doing whatever you want in life and leaving the impression that if God does show up, well, that's cool, you guess. But really, you're just fine with the way that things are. The path of the just is level. The upright one makes the way of the just smooth. If that first verse that we heard seemed idealistic, hard to believe, and really painfully unfulfilled in us, then this next one will now maybe seem a bit too on the nose. When grace is shown to the wicked... They do not learn justice. Even in the land of uprightness, they go on doing evil and do not regard the majesty of the Lord. That's one that we can say amen to, right? There weren't a lot of raised hands earlier, but I feel like this verse resonates with us. We get this one. It seems like there's been a lot of grace that's been given to the wicked in this world. How else do they flourish as they do? And few people have learned justice. Most remain blind to God's goodness that has been offered to them. The wicked aren't learning their lesson. And so we weep. We weep for our world because wickedness and evil persists. We weep for the wicked and the unjust because they cannot see that God's hand is lifted high to rescue his people. And we weep for ourselves because we have been wicked and blind and are in need of God's grace as well. I'm just going to move my mic pack. We'll see if this helps with the popping. You've been hearing it. I've been hearing it. I move my arms. Not helping. Not my fault. Okay. Use this. Okay. I'll use this. The next verse, it says, Lord, you establish peace for us. All that we have accomplished, you have done for us. Here, this passage turns. God establishes shalom for us. Shalom, that peace, that wholeness, that fullness of God is what connects that yearning for God and God's justice with the concept of peace that we remember today. God establishes fullness of life. God establishes complete flourishing wholeness for us. God establishes a just world of plenty, of peace and joy and love for us. This is the work of God. And because it is the work of God, we know that it is not our work. It's not. All the battles we've won, the wrongs we've righted, the wounds we've healed, God has done that for us. We didn't do those things. Apart from God's work of grace and mercy in our lives and in this world, even the small signs of peace, the faintest glimmers of justice that we see, these things would not be if it weren't for God. These things are the work of God's hands and not ours. I'm reminded of a common sign in protests against racial injustice. No justice, no peace. This slogan's been used for over 30 years now, at least. And there's a debate about how it should be read. For you grammar geeks among us, the question is, is this statement conditional or is it conjunctive? The conditional interpretation would be this. If you don't provide justice, we will not allow there to be peace. Right? It's conditional. Peace is conditioned on justice coming. This is how the phrase is often interpreted, and it's arguably its original intention. But the conjunctive interpretation means that these two concepts are related. And this is perhaps the more Christian understanding of this truth. The reality of our lives, of this world, the truth of our God is that only when God's reign of justice comes to our lives and to the world, then God's peace will also be known. God's peace comes to us when and only when God's reign of justice is known in all places, when God's kingdom comes on earth as it is in heaven. The truth that we are all dependent on God for God's justice, helpless for peace unless God should establish it, is the truth that the next part of this song of Isaiah drives home for us. Desperate people writhed and cried out. They labored for justice. They martyred themselves for salvation. And they gave birth to wind. They brought no salvation to the earth, offered no new life, even among the living. Isn't that the story of our world? People are working so hard in the cause of justice. They are seeking it out with all that they have. And it's causing division and strife and pain and anguish. We're giving birth to wind. We are bringing no salvation to the earth. We're offering no new life to the living. But there's good news, because even though we can't even bring better life to living people, yet for God, even the dead will rise. Isn't that good news? When we can't bring better life to a single living person, God can bring the bodies of the dead back to life. Those who dwell in the dust will wake up and shout for joy. The earth will give birth to her dead. Amen? Amen. When we were powerless and helpless and hopeless, when evil and malice, injustice and strife, when these things were all that we knew, God became our peace. Amen? when we were ready to die in the cause of injustice, when all of our work for that good cause amounted to nothing more than noisy gongs and clanging cymbals, the God who is love, who is the upright one, offered life to the dead. Amen. That's good news, isn't it? That's such very good news for me and for you and for all who are still far off for everyone whom the Lord our God calls. We can't bring better life to a single living person, but God can. We can't offer justice to the oppressed, but God can. We can't offer peace to a world of strife, but God can. And we wait for it, We wait for it actively and faithfully, walking in the way of God's justice ourselves, eager to see it spring to life, even where we didn't think we planted a seed, even in that place that we forgot to water, because we know that all we have accomplished, God has done for us. God is coming out of his dwelling to punish the people of the earth for their sins. It sounds like bad news, doesn't it? It sounds like I just became the hellfire and brimstone kind of preacher. But it isn't. It isn't bad news because first came the grace and the mercy and the promise of justice and peace. And if we've learned anything from the heightened awareness of various court cases in these last few weeks, we know that the promise of justice sometimes means that people must be held accountable for their actions. The world cannot know peace while the blood of Abel still cries out from the ground. And it's more than just the blood of Abel, isn't it? It's the blood of children killed in drone strikes, the blood of Tigrayans in Ethiopia, the blood of missing and murdered indigenous women and girls in Canada. For those who seek after justice, the promise that the earth will conceal its slain no longer, that's good news. And the promise that God should respond with justice as he brings peace to the earth, well, that's the hope of our faith. Against these wicked injustices, We yearn for the coming of God. We wait for God to come to the troubles of our world, to hear the testimony of the blood of the earth, to rise up and to act. And while we wait for that work of peace, we walk in its way, trusting that all we will accomplish will, in fact, be the very work of God. Dear friends, allow your souls to yearn for God in the night. And in the day, walk in the way of God's laws. Know that it is God who establishes peace for us, God who establishes peace for the city of Toronto, and God who establishes peace for this world. Walk in this way even as you wait for its fulfillment, the flourishing of all things, the peace of God's kingdom. Amen. We want to leave just a minute or so for you to reflect on what God's Spirit might be saying to you, to us as a community, through these words and through this passage. And so a few reflection questions for you to think about, for you to talk about at home, for you to journal about and pray about. The first is, how are you walking in the ways of God's laws? How are you seeking justice in your life? And the second is, where in your life are you still waiting to see, experience, and know God's peace? And finally, an invitation to pray that God's peace and justice would come into our world and into our lives. We'll leave a couple of moments for you.